We are now on the penultimate day of October, a month that word by so fast that leaves have fallen off the trees. In tan code, 1030 also could mean use caution or illegal use of the radio, which is also an apt description of Charlottesville community engagement. This is the 593rd edition of a newsletter and podcast that also does not seem to conform to any rules or regulations of contemporary journalism. I'm Sean Tubbs, determined to proceed independently. On this edition, an on-demand microtransit service has launched a one-year pilot in Albemarle County. The city needs more information before it can approve a site plan for 130 townhouse units in Belmont. And the Charlottesville Planning Commission recommended approval of a new zoning ordinance earlier this month after deliberating about two new additions made since the public hearing in mid-September. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, this year the Rivanna Conservation Alliance had a large number of community volunteers take part in the Rivanna River Roundup. On September 16th, 270 people joined in to help clean up over 288 miles of river and trail. They collected over 202 bags of trash. Take a look at the photo gallery on their website, and while you're there, learn more about the restoration plan for Riverview Park in Charlottesville. Consider volunteer opportunities, review recent monitoring reports, or consider a donation. All of that is accessible at rivannariver.org. The director of Charlottesville Area Transit said earlier today that this is a good day for alternatives to driving a single occupant vehicle. Today is a wonderful day for public transportation. Today, CAT officially launches a new mobility option, a new tool in our toolbox. That tool is MicroCAT, an on-demand public transportation service that will feature four vehicles covering the Places 29 North area and one covering the Pantops area. CAT has hired the firm VIA to provide the software, vehicles, and drivers for the service, which will operate for at least the next 12 months. The idea stems from a series of previous plans intended to provide more options for people to get around Albemarle and Charlottesville. Williams said MicroCAT is intended to provide well-known service gaps. When properly designed and executed, flexible on-ride service, flexible on-demand services like MicroCAT can eliminate transit deserts, create first and last mile connections and transit hubs, and can be the catalyst to get people out of their automobiles. To use the fare free service, you can download the MicroCAT app from the Android or Apple iOS system stores, or you can call 434-442-2466 to book a ride. The service operates Monday through Saturday from 6.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. The majority of the funding for the one-year pilot comes from a $1.5 million grant from the Virginia Department of Rail and Public Transportation. The agency has been funding similar initiatives across the Commonwealth. Here's Jennifer DeBrull, the director of DRPT. We're using microtransit around the state to close transportation gaps, to provide freedom for people to move throughout their communities and access jobs, education, health care, and other essential services. We are truly seeing microtransit and programs like MicroCAT change people's lives. 
Albemarle County is paying just over $400,000 for the service, which is intended to meet strategic initiatives. Donna Price is the chair of the Board of Supervisors. MicroCat, this new low-emission pilot program, will improve public options in Albemarle County with technology to expand access to flexible, equitable, and sustainable transportation. The expansion of environmentally beneficial transportation in Albemarle County is crucial for reducing pollution, mitigating climate change, and improving the well-being of our residents, workers, and visitors. Albemarle County's urban ring is about 30 square miles, compared to just over 10 square miles for the entire city of Charlottesville. Price said that's too large an area to expand fixed-route transit to. But the on-demand microcat is seen as a step in that direction. The county's Pantops and 29 North areas do have sufficient increased density, which while too small to support that fixed route system, can support and is sufficient to support this on-demand service, which we call microcat. The drivers and vehicles, as well as the software that powers the on-demand journey, all come from the firm VIA, which has deployed the technology all around the United States. Aparna Paladugu is the Director of Policy and Government Affairs at VIA. It's so simple once you've signed up. All you do is enter your origin, your destination, and then you're on your way. And as he mentioned, there's a phone call in number two. We have wheelchair accessible vehicles in the fleet for those who need it. Accessibility um, is key and core to what we do. Paladugu said the software matches passengers with drivers who may be heading in that direction anyway. Unlike Uber or Lyft, passengers will share vehicles with each other. Our algorithms pair riders together who are headed in the same direction. And we direct each rider to a virtual bus stop, which is a short walk away um, from where you request your ride. We never get you to, ride, to walk too far, just a short distance. Um, and then this makes for a very efficient shared ride service. After a ribbon-cutting, reporters were able to go on a quick ride-along. Driver Peter LaFord was keen to show off the Toyota Sienna that he was driving. And you are a uh, driver hired with the company? So, I'm an independent contractor, you know, like a rideshare driver for, for VIA. And they have me get this vehicle from them to... Uh, drive on the shifts that they then that they assign me via the app and then it directs me to which zone they want to send me to either at the pantops or the 29 corridor i might end up at the uh fashion square parking lot on the side of belt belk where the bus routes come and probably by the time i get up there that has been a ride assigned to me to pick somebody up on the way and then take them to the uh, bus stop so they can get onto the regular route to carry on. Then they can get on the bus and take the ride downtown, do their shopping, their errands, whatever. They take take the bus back to the same location and on the app they could request a uh, microcat ride back to their home, you know, that last mile. Albemarle supervisors will further discuss transit at their meeting on Wednesday when they review two transit studies. If you want to know more about what they're going to talk about, go back and listen to The Week Ahead 
Well, you can't listen to it. Go back and read. Well, I guess you could read it out loud to yourself and then listen to it that way. Yeah, go do that. When Charlottesville adopts a new development code that mostly eliminates the role that city council plays in making land use decisions, that does not mean projects will go through the planning process without scrutiny. However, staff in the city's Department of Neighborhood Development Services may find themselves with more public scrutiny on their review of site plans to see if they conform with a set of clear standards. To get a glimpse into a future where all parcels of land have more development rights, here's an example of what's happening now with property upzoned 20 years ago. Riverbend Development has filed a plan to build a 130-unit townhouse complex on land in Belmont, currently zoned Neighborhood Commercial Corridor, which means no special use permit is needed, but a critical slopes waiver was approved by the Planning Commission and Council last November. For this development, there was a site plan conference in May of 2022 that I wrote about at the time. About a month ago, I checked in with the company to see if the project was still proceeding after noticing a couple of pending demolition permits on Carlton Avenue. This was for research for a story I wrote for Seville Weekly. In an email to me at that time, Riverbend Vice President of Development Ashley Davies said that they were wrapping things up for final approval. This email was dated October 3rd, and she said that they would be moving forward with the site plan and the current zoning. Two weeks later, city staff issued a denial of the fourth version of the site plan. Here is a section from that formal notice. City staff have made a good faith effort to identify all deficiencies within this submission. The issue appears to be minor. James Fries, the city's director of neighborhood development services, told me in an email today that the only substantive issue appears to be working out the separation between the required trees and the utilities. I've asked Riverbend what they plan to do next and will update the story before it gets archived to Information Charlottesville. If you've not been to Information Charlottesville, it's at infoseville.com. It's where I post the articles from this newsletter, but in a way that you can get to just that story and it's much easier to find through search engines. Thanks for listening. Oh yeah, here's the break. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a new service aimed at the development community that may not be widely known yet, 3D point cloud scanning. That's a technique that uses specialized equipment, such as 3D scanner systems, to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of the scanned object or scene. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results, all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs, and now has a dedicated team offering this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, design, or construction industry, feel free to contact Design Development for more information or a free quote. Visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D points cloud scanning of the downtown transit center and a booklet that will explain more. Thanks to Design Develop for this shout out. 
This is the first newsletter and podcast back since I took a break to see some family in Pennsylvania. There's a lot to go through, and this particular edition makes an attempt to get us all caught up on the latest with the development code. One spoiler, City Council has set December 5th as the date for its public hearing. More on that in the next edition of the newsletter. But after several sessions following the September 14th public hearing, the Charlottesville Planning Commission finally recommended a development code that will usher in a new era for the city's built environment. But first, council has to put their stamp on it, too. The Planning Commission's final work session was on October 18th, and it lasted about three hours long and contained a lot of wordsmithing and adjustments of various parameters for the new Residential Core Neighborhood A District. This was added after the public hearing at the insistence of housing groups who want to implement an aspect of the future land use map intended to help prevent displacement. For more information on that concept, and rather than putting it here, go back and read the story I wrote that has the headline, Charlottesville City Council Pitched on Restoration of Anti-Displacement Zones. That summarizes the elected body's discussion from October 3rd. At one point, outside legal counsel Sharon Pandak had this observation about the discussion she was hearing about details that were changing on the fly as the six commissioners deliberated some of the specifics. This is going to be amazing micromanaging uh, and not developing general standards. Not developing general standards could open the city to legal challenges in the future. Commissioner Carl Schwartz was skeptical of the concept of allowing households in the areas to be covered by the new RNA district to have fewer development rights than everyone else. You know, people who have lived in the neighborhood forever, um, mm-hmm. you know, born in the 50s and just have lived there their entire lives, mm-hmm. and they've got a dwelling that is their personal wealth that, you know, it, are we cutting out that personal wealth by doing this? Schwartz said there are many families whose children have already left who don't want to return. But that house is their inheritance. So are we are we hurting those people through this? Commissioner Phil Duranzio is a member of the Housing Advisory Committee, a group whose members otherwise consist of leaders of nonprofit housing groups and an employee of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Duranzio said that potential wealth is not as important as attempting to prevent displacement. We seem to have a pretty loud and clear signal that neighborhood preservation, housing preservation without developer invasion is heavily weighted against value. Secondly, I mean, you, you still have plenty of value there. You can still sell that and have somebody come in and build a large single-family residence. Schwartz asked Duranzio, who was coordinating that information. Providence is Joy Johnson and and Ellen Dreyfus. Johnson is a resident of West Haven and the Section 3 coordinator for CRHA. Dreyfus is a political organizer with the Legal Aid Justice Center. Both are members of the Seville Plans Together Steering Committee, with Dreyfus representing a group called the Charlottesville Low-Income Housing Coalition and Johnson representing CRHA. The Legal Aid Justice Center website stores two reports from the coalition that sought to influence the outcome of the Seville Plans initiative. There are links to these in the newsletter. They are The Impact of Racism on Affordable Housing from February 2020 and Why Building More Market Rate Housing Will Not Solve Charlottesville's Housing Crisis. 
That one is from April 2021. Planning Commissioner Lyle Soli-Yates is a resident of the 10th and Page neighborhood, one of the areas that would be designated as RNA. I've talked to some of my neighbors who live in this area and asked them, like, hey, we're talking about this. Is this what you want? Quoting uh, my neighbor, Bumblebee, um, my property value is mine. Don't take it. Um, everyone has said, no, they don't want this. Schwartz said many in the neighborhood are uncomfortable with the whole process. It's new and different and scary. And you know, hear the idea of oh, someone could put multiple units in there, you know, next to our backyard. It's scary, but that's the same fear that the whole town's got. Duranzio discounted these points of view and said he was willing to take a leap of faith on the RNA district. The plural of anecdote is anecdotes, not data. I am viewing RNA as uh, a... I don't want to say stopgap, but a zoning district that is designed to give us breathing space to do the small area plans and to provide that protection. Here's a comment from Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg. I guess my biggest problem with it is that it seems like we're doing something to do something. Um, and if the question is, will this actually stop displacement or flipping? Stolzenberg said he did not think the RNA district would do anything to stop the well-documented behavior of knowledgeable individuals or entities purchasing properties for less than they are worth and converting them into properties that sell in the half-million-dollar range. Um, and then they are flipping them largely within the existing building envelope um, into, you know, well over median houses. Um, and nothing we do here is going to prohibit that. Nothing is going to make that harder. Commission Chair Hosea Mitchell sought to move the conversation along with the assumption that City Council wanted a district like RNA. He steered the discussion towards some changes that Commissioner Stolzenberg wanted to suggest. Essentially, he would suggest that a property owner would be able to have two additional units on site by right if the existing structure is kept. So it's a little bit less yeah. restrictive than the currently proposed RNA, which makes me feel a little bit better about the moral ambiguity here. At this point, Mitchell was ready to send on a recommendation to council. More on that in a minute. The six commissioners also touched upon the core neighborhood's corridor overlay district, which covers sections of Preston and Cherry Avenue. These areas would now have slightly less by-right potential than other corridors, but developers and property owners could apply for a special exception permit that would be given if certain criteria are met. Council would make the final decision on that. Commissioner Lyle Soli-Yates sought to change the name of the permit and the purpose of it and cited the specific code. 296C, uh, uh, Special Exception Permit to read Public Benefit Bonus. So instead of Special Exception Permit, you want to call it a Public Benefit Bonus? Yes. Specifically, Soli-Yates wanted to take away the ability of City Council to make a decision on whether such a permit should be granted. He said these should be handled like the other affordability bonuses that pervade the entire development code. James Fries, the city's director of Neighborhood Development Services, said he was concerned about making that change. The thing I'm concerned about is, so we provide bonuses for the, um, of the, uh, the affordable dwelling unit bonus, right? But the standards to get that bonus are very, very clear. These are, these are not... 
Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg raised a point about the entire point of the Civil Plans Together initiative. I mean, I would argue that this entire thing since long before I was around in 2017 was about making for predictable, non-discretionary processes to have a zoning code that is not based on arbitrary decisions made by council on an ad hoc basis. Commissioner Kareem Habab agreed with Stolzenberg's point, but felt the overlay district would support some of the equity goals of the initiative. It does offer a seat to Fifeville and 10th and Page to advocate for their, you know, what they want in these areas. And that is the only way with which, without, if we don't have a special exception, there is no mechanism for the community to have that voice. Fries said another way would be community involvement in the small area plans that are to be created for each of what are no longer called sensitive communities. The commission reached consensus on keeping the discretionary review, but tweaked some of the criteria. All of their alterations will be covered in future editions of the newsletter as I write about the other work sessions that have happened so far. But just to end this, here is the Planning Commission's vote after, what now, seven years of review nearly? Mr. Salinas. Aye. Mr. Schwartz. Yes. Mr. Durant. Aye. Mr. Habab. Aye. And Mr. Stolzenberg. Aye. And Mr. Mitchell. Yes. We uh, now have a recommendation for council. Um, Thanks for listening. Now, let's get on with the end of the show. There's a lot happening in this first edition back since a vacation to Pennsylvania, a vacation in which I pretty much worked every day anyway. Someone asked me today if I take time off, and the answer is yes, just can't prove it yet. I can prove I notify readers and listeners of what I'm planning on my notes section of Substack. Follow along there to keep up, as it's the best place for me to communicate my schedule. I'm hoping for one more newsletter in October before beginning the last 6th of 2023. This is all supported by paid subscribers, and if you've not done so already, I'll remind you that the more paid subscribers I have, the more I can stand behind the title, Independence Journalist! As I do not seek grant funding, but nonprofits and for-profits alike are welcome to contact me about sponsorship and support opportunities. No strings attached, please. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow with another edition, and it's good to be here. Goodbye.